0: if you want to learn something faster, teach it to somebody else. Learn with the intention of teaching. Because what happens is if you had to re-listen to this podcast, which I recommend you do, and but listen to it as if you're going to teach it to your team or teach it to your spouse, teach it to your your siblings, teach it to your best friend, because you'll something will happen and it's magical. You'll pay attention differently. You'll take notes differently. You'll post different questions. And so here's what I believe. If you want to learn any subject or skill faster, Learn to teach because here's the quote of both when I teach something, I get to learn it twice. When I teach something, I get to learn it twice. I study the patterns of the universe, Imagine, that's just in the brain. Virtue, virtue, your mind. Right. Talking about your life, fundamental, personal, philosophy. What is and what is not for those who don't Be a better every single day.
1: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Think Grow podcast, where personal development meets real life. I am your host, Ruben Chavez, and I explore a variety of topics with thought leaders, creators, scientists, entrepreneurs, memory experts, and people from all different fields to bring you different perspectives that you can use to enrich your mind and improve your life in whatever way you see fit. That is the goal of the show, and today I am very excited for our guest. I think he's going to bring us a perspective that many of you will find very useful. His name is Jim Quick, and for those of you who are not familiar with Jim's work, he is, among other things, a memory expert. He's the founder of Quick Learning, which has students in over 150 countries worldwide. Um, He's he's a world-renowned expert in speed reading uh, memory improvement, brain performance, accelerated learning, and he's been doing this for over two decades. He's amazing. He's been the brain coach to a variety of different people, including you know students, entrepreneurs, educators, all the way up to some of the world's leading CEOs and celebrities, actors. Go on his Instagram and you will see him with Will Smith and Sylvester Stallone and Harrison Ford, among, among others. But he's a very down-to-earth guy, and I had the pleasure of meeting him, actually, at the Longevity Now conference, where he spoke um, just a few months ago in California, and that was awesome. He's He's an excellent speaker, and I've learned a lot from him and from his podcast, actually. Today, we talk about the meta skill of learning how to learn and also learning how to read. These are are a couple of his specialties and areas of, of expertise. And these are areas that really interest me and that I try to focus on a lot. And the reason is because there's a big payoff for learning them. Now, you might ask, what is a meta skill? A meta skill, and by the way, you can also think of it as a meta action. But these are basically skill sets that have a cascade effect on many other areas of your life. Or on a few other areas of your life, at least. And the word meta means, like, up a level in this context. And so you can actually think of it like this. This is something that I've actually been, been thinking about lately. Basically, your actions can be categorized into different levels. Level one is something like... Um, the object level. Uh, you can think of it as the base level. It's the most direct way that you can add value to your life, let's say. So for example, level one might be getting a job at Starbucks and, you know, making fifteen dollars an hour or whatever it is. That's improving your life somewhat. You know, you're doing an action, you're learning a skill set that is allowing you to produce income. So that's one level. But the second level above that would be, and this would be like a meta level, this would be something like reading a book that helps you cultivate a skill that will help you move up in the company. Let's say by improving your social interactions or something like that. Maybe you read a book on emotional intelligence and you're able to navigate the social network of your company better and, and it allowed you to, to progress, you know, to, to move up. And not only that, but it increases your value as an employee, right? So. If you were making $15 an hour originally, you acquired these new skills that were valuable to your employer, and then now you move up and you're worth, let's say, you know, $25 an hour or something like that, right? So you actually increase your value, and then you have newly acquired skills which are transferable to other jobs and other opportunities, Well, so this is a meta level skill, this reading and learning this skill is meta because it improves the effectiveness of the previous level, right? And so if you go up a level beyond that, like a level three, that would be something like learning how to read and learn more effectively and more efficiently so that you can comprehend more books in less time, leading to even more opportunities or maybe even a career switch or something like that, right? and so your so that level increases the effectiveness of the level before it and so on and so that's why i'm so excited about it because it's such a big payoff and that, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today with with jim is learning how to learn and and read better and and by the way something even up a level above that would be something like a level 4 meta action or a meta skill and when i think of a level 4 you know, I think of something like diet, for example, like honing in on your perfect diet and the diet that makes you feel the best and optimizes your your performance. And the reason why this is like a level four meta behavior is because diet affects your physical and mental states. And these are factors in everything you do, right? No matter what you do, the better you feel, and the better you're thinking, the better you're going to execute that task. And so diet, exercise, taking care of your, your body, that will have a cascade effect on even more aspects of your life. And so anyway, this is kind of a framework that I've been thinking about. Um, actually, we talk about this a little bit in an episode of this podcast with uh, my conversation with Daniel Piazza of Rich 20-something. We talk about meta habits and so we touch on this a little bit. I think that's an earlier episode, maybe number two or something like that. But but these are worth noting. And this the distinction between level one and then the higher meta levels is that level one is additive. You know, these direct behaviors that add one thing, one positive thing to your life, let's say a source of income, they have an additive quality. However, the meta levels, the higher level behaviors, these meta skills are multiplicative, meaning that their benefits multiply over the course of weeks, months, years, etc. Anyway, I think that's worth pointing out. And it's something interesting to at least think about and consider when you're determining where to invest your time. So with that said, I am excited to let you listen to... My conversation with memory expert Jim Quick and his insights into learning and reading more effectively and efficiently. Oh, and another thing is that Jim also made a request at the end of this podcast. He asked you guys, and you're going to hear this at the end of the episode, he asked the people listening, those who were most invested in wanting to up their memory game and their learning game, he said, Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast app, then post that to your social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and then tag both Jim and me, and then share your biggest takeaway from the episode in the caption or wherever you share it. And I thought that was a great idea. So again, take a screenshot of this episode right there in your podcast app, then post that to your social, tag both Jim at J-I-M-K-W-I-K, and me, at Prosper, and then share your biggest takeaway from this episode. What did you learn? What stuck with you the most? I will be looking for those posts and engaging with them as much as possible. I know Jim said that he um, is very active and will be looking out for those posts as well and engaging with them. So, I'm excited to see what you guys learned and uh, took away from this episode. Okay, and now... Here's Jim. Jim, welcome to the show. It's uh
0: it's great to be talking with you. Ruben, I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. And uh thank you everyone who's listening.
1: Yeah. Well, I I I wanna start by giving the people listening some background and some context for who you are and you know why you do what you do. Um, I I know you had a brain injury early on in life. Can you tell me about that story? How did that injury affect you and um, how did it ultimately kind of lead to the work that you do today?
0: Well, I think everybody, um, everyone could appreciate the, the topic we're talking about today, right? When we're talking about thinking, we're talking about growing. For me, it always starts with the mind and I know we're going to talk about accelerated learning and boosting memory power and learning and ability to focus and everything. Um, but that wasn't my superpower growing up. You know, when people see me on stage, I'll have people like a hundred people stand up and introduce themselves and I'll memorize all their names, uh, in front of a live audience or a hundred numbers or a hundred words, uh, that they give me random. And I'll, uh, do it forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this really to express to you what's really possible, because the truth is every single person who's listening to this right now could do that and a whole lot more. It's just we weren't taught. You know, if anything, we were taught a lie, a lie that somehow our potential, our intelligence, our mental abilities, our memory is somehow fixed like our shoe size and it's absolutely not true. You know, all of the research that's been done in the human brain in the past 20 years says we're grossly underestimating. We've underestimated our own capabilities. And so we have this super computer, the most advanced device, processing device, you know, in the known universe between our ears. And it's really the, you know, the greatest wealth, you know, that we have, but um, it doesn't come with an owner's manual. And I know this because I grew up with learning disabilities At the age of five, I had an accident uh, that changed my life early on, an inflection point um, where I had a brain injury and I didn't learn things like everybody else did. And uh, I had no focus. I had a very poor memory. I didn't understand things. I don't know if anyone could relate to this or have somebody in their life that could identify with that kind of struggling. Um, Teachers would have to repeat themselves three, four, five times. And I still didn't understand. I would pretend I understood and I, it actually, it took me an extra three, four years just to learn how to read. And that's how severe it was. And, um, you know, and so I came up with ways later on, uh, to be able to compensate. And, uh, really the, the turning point for me was when I was 18 years old, I was, I was, I was freshman, I, and I thought I could make a fresh start. And I think everybody sometimes, who's with us, you know, like, would like to have a fresh start sometimes in their relationship, in their career, and they're, maybe they're aspiring entrepreneur, or they want to, like, a reset. Um, I really wanted to show, for me, my, my show my parents, uh, show the world, show myself that I was really worth something, that I could do it, that I wasn't the kid labeled the boy with the broken brain, um, you know, by one of my teachers. And so, um, but I, I couldn't cut it freshman year at college, uh I was ready to quit. And when I was ready to quit, a friend of mine gave me some really good advice saying, before you tell your family that you're gonna quit school and have that just guilt or, you know, I felt shame around it. It's like, why don't you get some perspective? And you know, why don't you, I'm going home this weekend, why don't you come with me to see my family? And um and I I noticed, Ruben, that getting perspective is so important in our life when we're faced with a new challenge or, um, a, a change, it helps to, uh, go to a different place or be around different people. And I, I did, uh, just for the weekend and his family is pretty well off. It's, you know, I, I had a, Uh, different kind of upbringing. My parents immigrated here and, you know, our family lived in the back of a laundromat and, but he, his family is well off. And his father walks me around his property before uh, dinner and asks me a very innocent question. You'd appreciate this. He says, uh, Jim, how's school? And that's the worst question you could ask me at that time. I'm 18 years old and I just have all this pent up angst. And I, I just break down and I just tell him my whole story about learning difficulties, my broken brain and how school is not for me. And I'm going to tell my family I'm going to quit. And then he asked me a new question. And I think that's so important because when we're thinking about, think, you know, when we're you know, thinking and growing for me, it really begins with a change of question. And he asked me a new question saying, well, Jim, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? in life. And I honestly didn't have that answer. Um, but I, when I go to answer him, he pauses and he says, stop. And he takes out of his back pocket, a journal. And I, I he takes out a couple of sheets of paper, tears them out and makes me write it down, which is another principle for creation, right? Another principle for success is writing things down, and he makes me write down, really, essentially, a goal list or a dream list, a, a bucket list, if you will. And when I'm done with this exercise, I have all these, you know, there's a couple of sheets of paper filled out, which I've never had before. Um, and it's kind of interesting to look at them, like, and explicitly you know, outside of my own mind. And I thought the exercise was over, so I start folding the sheets to put it in my pocket, and he he does something unexpected. He grabs them right out of my hand my bucket list and starts uh, looking at and reading it. And I'm actually freaking out because I'm 18 years old. I'm very insecure. And obviously this man is very successful and very prosperous and such. And, uh, I, I don't even know what he's thinking, but when he's done reading my, my bucket list, he looks at me and he says, Jim, you are this close to everything on this list, uh, achieving everything on this list. And he takes his fingers and his index fingers and just spreads them apart about a foot. And I was like, there's no way. Are you kidding me? Like, give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. And, uh, and he takes his index fingers and he puts them to the side of my head, meaning that what's between his fingers, which is my, my brain is the key to get me, um, those dreams. And, um, he walks me into, and he walks me into a, a room of his home, and I've never seen, been into this room before. You'd love it; it's wall to wall, ceiling floor covered in books. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I've never seen like a, a library in somebody's house before, and um, like the library
1: and I, in Beauty and the Beast, like Beast's library. Remember that?
0: Exactly that. That's my dream, right? <laughs> that's 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 my goal. <laughs> but keep in mind, though, I. Can't read very well. I've never finished a book cover to cover, and so I am, I'm phobic of books, and I, they create so much anxiety for me. To be the equivalent of somebody walking to a room full of snakes that are you know f- afraid of snakes, so I'm like freaking out. And what makes it worse is he goes to the sh- each of the shelves and starts handing me these snakes, <laughs> um, starts handing me these books, and I start. I'm freaking out because I don't know what he's expecting me to do. But I look at the titles, and they are very early, um, their, their biographies, I mean, some incredible men and women in history and the early personal growth books. I mean, you would love these. I mean, you know, thinking Grow rich, Napoleon Hill, the power of positive thinking, Dale Carnegie. Mm, yeah. I mean, just the, the stuff that, you know, so many of us cherish. And, um, but I've never seen these books before. And he's like, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm thinking, have you not been hearing my story? <laughs> I, I'm a poor reader. I can't even keep up with school. And when I said, I can't keep up with school, he looks at me and he says, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, that landed hard. And yet I was like, you know, I still can't commit to doing this because if I do, I'm going to, you know, do it. And I don't feel like I could do it. And then he is, he's a very smart, man. He, takes out of his pocket, my bucket list, which he still has. And Ruben, he literally starts reading every single one of my goals and dreams out loud. And Can you imagine (laughs) that? Can you, you imagine like you, I've never really even thought of, you know, my dreams as something that could be real, but to hear it in another man's voice, encanted out into the universe, just messed with my mind. It messed with my heart. It honestly messed with my soul, something fierce. And a lot of those things on my list were things I wanted to do for my family, things they could never afford to do or would never do for themselves. And with that motivation, and I talk about that a lot when it comes to human memory, when it comes to learning faster, when it comes to success, is that motivation, uh, that leverage uh, makes me like engage. And I say, okay, you know, I'll read one book a week because of, you know, I want to help my family. And so now fast forward, I'm back at school and I'm on my desk and I have a pile of books that I have to read for midterms. And I have a pile of books that I promise that I want to read, you know, for my own success. And I couldn't keep up with just one of those piles. So what do I do? I don't eat. I don't sleep. I don't work out. I don't spend time with friends. I, t- I take all my time and I go all in. I just live at the library and it's not very sustainable. And so one night, I end up passing out, and I fall down a flight of stairs in the library. I hit my head again, uh, and I wake up two days later, two full days later, in the hospital, and I'm hooked up to all of these IVs. I is a very dark time. I thought I died. I mean, I was down to 117 pounds because I, I just wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. I was just wasting away because I was doing whatever it takes to to succeed here. Um, and I thought it was so unfair. Like, why do I have to work three, four times harder as everybody else? not even and I'm just not doing well. And you know, sometimes we feel that way, right? You know, as an entrepreneur as we're trying to grow in certain ways, it's just like, you know, you don't see the results right away. And um when I had that thought, I was like, what am I going to do? And the nurse came in with a mug of tea. And on the mug, you'd appreciate this, uh it has a picture of a genius, the opposite of what I thought I was. It was Albert Einstein. And on it was a quote that we've all heard in some form or another. It said the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. Yeah. The same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem, and it made me think about like, well, what's my problem? Right? I ask a new question because I think questions are the answer. I think some of the most successful people ask different questions that people who are struggling ask. And so I asked like, what's my problem? It's like, well, I'm a really slow learner. I have a very slow brain. And I was thinking, well, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I could learn how to learn, you know, learn faster. Maybe I could have a quicker brain. Right. Yeah. Um, And so when I sensitize that, I, um, I, I actually think like, okay, well, how do I learn how to learn? I was thinking school. So I pick up a course bulletin with all the, classes for next semester. And I look at all the classes and I notice they're all classes on what to learn, right? School is a great place to learn what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish, but there were zero classes on how to learn. Exactly. Like, think about it, like even thinking, right? What's, where was the class on how to think, you know? My gosh,
1: I know. Don't get me started on that.
0: Exactly. How to solve problems, how to be creative, how to focus, how to concentrate, how to be an active listener, how to take notes, how to study better, how to read faster, um, how to remember things. You know, I always thought it should have been- The meta skills. Exactly. All, this, all these skills around meta, like learning how to learn. Um, I thought remembering was kind of important because I remember in school, I would learn something and then the day after I would forget it, right? And so I, should, I thought it should have been the fourth R, reading, writing, arithmetic. But what about recall? What about retention? Yeah. You know, Socrates said, there is no learning without remembering. And, you know, the courses that I that I teach around the world around memory, it really has to do with, you know, memory makes money because the faster you could learn, the faster you could earn. When we are forgetful, I believe two of the most costly words in life, in your relationship, in your business are I forgot. I mean, think about the consequences of saying, you know, I forgot that conversation, I forgot where I put it, I forgot that meaning, you know, I forgot what I was gonna say. I forgot that person's name. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Every time you have a a lapse in your thinking, in your judgment, in your decision making, in your focus, in your memory, you know, we lose time, we lose opportunity, you know, we make errors. And if you want to be a high performer, you want to live your best life, you know, you want to get this uh, controlled, right? It's not even a nice to have, it's like a must have in today's age of information, where knowledge is not only power, knowledge knowledge is profit. And I don't just mean that financially, I mean, that's obvious, right? Because we live in this, you know, age of information, you know, where the more you know, the more you could grow and the more you could gain, right? Right? And you really learn to earn to return, right? And that—that's really my mantra: learn so you could earn, so you could return and, and give back. And so from there, I just put my studies aside and I just started studying these meta skills. I wanted to understand um, and solve this riddle about my brain. You know, how does my brain work? So I can work my brain. How does my memory work? So I could work my memory, because it's you know, a lot of people here. I bet you go out there and you buy a lot of books and they sit on the shelf, right? And it becomes becomes shelf help and not self-help it just sits <laughs> there that's no use you know and so what's the point of listening to a podcast or going to a conference or reading a book if you are going to forget it the next day exactly you know, there's a forgetting curve that says that forgetting curve says that within 48 hours 80 percent of what you learn one time is gone because nobody teaches us how to remember things. And, and so I want to boost up, you know, boost everyone's super memory power, I want you to know that you're smarter than you think. uh, So you could think and grow and that you could prosper. So I learned instead, I really started to read everything around meta and studying that. And within 60 days, my life just turned on. I mean, that switch turned on and I just started to understand things. I started to have better focus. I started to remember things. I started to read faster and, um, some with my grades improving my life improve, but I couldn't keep that to myself. You know, I was so upset that this wasn't taught to me earlier that all of us right now, if you're struggling with your focus, if you're struggling with overload, if you're struggling with, you know, memory loss, it's not your fault. That's the truth. Cause we weren't taught. And so I started to teach this to my friends and teach it and tutor it. And one of my very first students, the reason why I'm on this conversation with you today is I put me on a path is one of my first students, she was a freshman. She read 30 books in 30 days. Can you, can you imagine wow. that even like literally going online, picking 30 books on peak performance on, you know, on high High on productivity, on, on having genius foods, on leadership, on sales, negotiation, internet marketing, whatever, and not just skimming or scanning it, but really absorbing it where you can retain it. She did that for thirty days, thirty books.
1: That would be my superpower. That, that, I would love to have that superpower. Ever since I was a teenager,
0: I've wanted to. I've said
1: I want my superpower to be lightning fast reading ability and perfect comprehension. You know, the ability to absorb any information I wanted instantly with a hundred percent accuracy and you know integrated into my life so i can act on it as wisdom that's amazing dude
0: i just got literal literally when you were saying that i got goosebumps i call them truth bumps because <laughs> you know you, you, your body, your your body is wisdom right and um yeah i did that i did a talk in silicon valley and afterwards uh i posted this picture on instagram uh, bill gates came up to me and he was in the audience and we i we had this deep conversation about the future of education and i was te- telling him about accelerated learning theory. And he was telling me about the technology and uh, where education is going from technology point of view. And somebody who was listening was asked a question saying, yeah, what's missing? Is that it? Is it, just, is it good to have the accelerated learning and the tools? And we talked about it and we're thinking, wow, no, human motivation, understanding motivation. Because a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do what they know because common sense is not common practice. And I feel like knowledge is not power it's not, it's just potential power. It only becomes power, like you said, when you apply it. And, um, and, but the other question I asked him, I was like, Bill, Bill, uh, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? And he had the same exact response as you did the ability to read faster, you know, like, cause he has, you know, Gates notes, which he recommends, you know, he reads like 50, 50 plus, but I was like, I could totally help you with that. And Warren Buffett has said that, um, he said, I probably wasted 10 years of my life reading slowly. You know, and I know that's, so that's something we should definitely talk about in terms of reading because this is the thing. Everybody has to read about four or five hours a day. We're just processing information. Think about the blogs, the articles, the books, newspapers, like all the stuff that we have to read, emails, four or five hours a day. And if you could just double your reading speed and save, let's say two hours a day, what's, I mean, what would you do with that two hours? That's amazing. Read more. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or two hours uh, of the course of a year or a day is like 730. I mean, or even just one hour a day. If you save one hour a day on something ubiquitous, like we're doing all the time, like reading, that's 365 hours a year. To break that down for everybody, if it was those 40 hour work weeks, that's, nine 40 hour work weeks, saving one hour a day. And so two months of productivity, you get back saving time on something that we're doing anyway, which is reading. And what if you could just even read it, save time, but also get more out of it. And that's when I thought it was a real superpower. But I asked this young lady, how'd you read, not how she read 30 books in 30 days. I wanna know, go back to, you know, Bill Gates, our, our conversation about human motivation. I was like, why? Why do you read all these books? You know, a lot of the, everyone knows how to do this now because I, you know, we I'm teaching them. But you know, why are why are you doing it? And I found out that her mother was dying of terminal cancer, and was given 60 days to live. And um, I, get, I always get choked up thinking about this. But the books she was reading were books on health and wellness, medicine, wow. energy, because she was determined to save her mother's life and I still get chills thinking about it. Six months later, I get a call from this young lady, and she's crying, she's crying, she's crying. And I find out their tears of joy that her mother not only survived, but get this, she's really starting to thrive. She's oh, getting wow. really better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. The doctors called it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter, who learned it from all these books. And that's when I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. If knowledge is power, learning is our superpower. And we all are born with that inner genius. And what my mission is, because I was the boy with the broken brain, is I want I want to help people, everyone who's listening, have better, brighter brains. Because if that improves, everything in your life gets better. And uh, no brain left behind.
1: Oh, I love that. That, that. That's so powerful. There, there, there's so much there that I want to unpack with you. You mentioned um principles, right you mentioned meta skills and i I really like to draw this distinction between principles and strategies and tactics in in order to kind of organize them in my mind, I think and give them kind of a place to reside, for example, like some of the principles I think in personal development are things like um having emotional intelligence that's a big principle or uh managing your beliefs, your belief systems you know these are foundational principles and meta skills really that feed a whole bunch of other concepts and ideas and strategies so for example like within the the principle of emotional intelligence you might have the strategy of Keeping a journal and documenting when you feel certain emotions and why this might, you know, help you cultivate one aspect of emotional intelligence. Um, but a tactic, on the other hand, that's a little different because that might be something more granular, like what time of day you write in your journal. Tactics might change depending on the circumstances, but but principles do not change, right? And I love that you talk about principles because these are timeless, kind of unchanging things. And I. I'm with you, man. I, I view learning how to learn as probably the most important principle or meta skill that we can possibly cultivate, right? Because without it, we can't properly learn the rest of them. And so uh, it's just so, so important. I, I guess my question to you is w- within the the big meta skill of learning how to learn, are there just a few overarching principles that kind of guide your your teachings, or are there mostly just different strategies that vary based on what you're trying to accomplish?
0: Dude, that's a deep question, Ruben. Um, and I love where your mind is at. Uh, let's go. Let's go deep into this, then. Okay. Um, if I was for everybody here, if I was a genie, right, and I was I could grant you any one wish, any one wish, what would what would be the obvious thing to wish for? it would be to, to wish for more wishes, right? That would be uh, yeah. the obvious thing. If you only get one wish, I wouldn't wish for more wishes. Um, the equivalent to us, if I was your learning genie and I could grant you, I could help you learn any subject or skill faster, just one, any subject or skill, what would be the equivalent of asking for more wishes? I would say exactly what you just said, learning how to learn meta learning, right? Because yeah. if you could do that, it makes everything faster right? And so it doesn't matter if people want to learn music or martial arts or Mandarin or marketing, right? If you can learn how to learn like twice as fast, you know, anything in half the time, the rest of your life gets easier because the principle for that is sharpen the saw. Like one of my very favorite books of all time was a mentor of mine, Dr. Stephen Covey, and he wrote a book that most of you have on your shelf called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this is the book that talks about some of the most effective, productive people And the seven habits that they share in common, the last habit, the seventh habit that he reserves is called sharpen the saw, which is basically the principle, the metaphor is if you have all this wood to cut, and we do, right? All every day we wake up with wood to cut things that we need to do, right? Uh, Things that we need to learn, things we need to accomplish. And you have a saw, but the thing is, is your saw has a dull blade. When do you want to start sharpening that blade? right you don't want to dr de- nobody's going to start just using that dull blade and just start cutting wood because right. that wouldn't make any sense why because it would be so much more effort so much more focus so much more sweat suffering you know challenge all the time all that so you would sharpen the saw first and so learning how to learn is sharpening that saw that would pay you for the rest of your life and so that would be the wish that i would wish for learning how to learn then i could apply it towards sales marketing leadership health anything now I'll share something I don't share in, in interviews, uh, because like really when I think about learning, I'm thinking about transformation. I'm thinking about transcending. I'm thinking about ending the trance, mm. ending the trance, this thinking that we have, that we're not good enough, ending this trance that we're not smart enough or fill in the blank. Right. And I feel like a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do it. And I, I know you, you are a doer. I mean, you, you just, you, you, cause you get just tell by results that, that you get. Right. I mean, you have such a big presence, and, and what you're doing, you're being able to scale personal growth and development and, you know, ultimately prosperity. You know, and prosperity comes in different forms, not just financial. But some people don't take action. So, why do we procrastinate? Why do we put things off? Right. Why do we know what to do, but we don't do it? And, um, and so the principles that I think about when I'm looking to make a change with somebody, and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I get to work with, of the Tony Shays of the world, the CEO of Zappos, uh, you, you know, I posted this pictures of me and Elon, you know, training at, at SpaceX, you know, I work with some powerful thinkers or actors like, uh, you know, Will Smith, you know, you know, I've been doing a couple videos on, on our Instagram and such, but I, I get to, because I help actors like speed read scripts or memorize their lines, I also get to extract their thinking, you know, thinking about how they're growing and what they're doing. And I notice that no matter where people are, if they're, if they're holding themselves back, there there are about five levels in terms of principles that I, I notice that are sticking points for people. So let me let me let me let me kind of expand this a little bit. Um usually when people want to change something, they want to change a behavior, right? Because they know they have to behave differently in order to do something different. Right. When I say my mentor was asking, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share? That's a, a syntax formula, right? You have to be something so you could do something so you could have something so you could share it. You can't go any, anyway else, right? You can't have something like, a this is almost, it's so cliche, but if somebody wins the lottery, they could have millions of dollars. But what happens after someone wins a lottery uh, over X amount of years, what happens, what happens to that money?
1: Well, it usually goes
0: away. <laughs> it goes, it goes away. And they actually, for a lot of them, actually, they actually go below the baseline of what they were earning before they even won the lottery. Because yeah. here's the thing, they jumped to having, but the, you know, they had millions of dollars at the have level, but they were never at the B level, a millionaire. So that's the formula. You have to do it in order, right? So that you have to be to do and you have to do so you could have. And then you have to have in order to be able to share with other people. And so most people, in order for them to have something, a great relationship, uh, you know, uh, money in the bank, a beautiful home, a great re- um, a body, whatever it is, they have to do something. But if they're not doing it, and usually there's there's things that holding them back at the B level. So if you're thinking about, I want everyone to think about a behavior they know they should do, but they're not doing it. So this is the behavior level. And so maybe it's journaling every day. Maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's making, I just did a episode, 10 minute episode on how to make a brain power smoothie. (laughs) Like my favorite brain foods and stuff that really supercharge your brain. Maybe it's, you know, doing extra exercising every single day. So that's a behavior level. Sometimes people are trying to fight at a behavior level, at that principle, behaviors. But they're not addressing the level above that, which is the level of capability. And the level of capability is a level of habit. It's the level of training, right? And so some people, for example, want to change a behavior. They want to remember names, something I train you know, all around the world. We have students online uh, in our online courses from 180 countries. So we have a lot of data from people. One of their biggest struggles is remembering names. So maybe the behavior is, hey, I want to uh, remember names. But at the capability level above that, they don't have the capability because they didn't have the training. Does that make yeah. sense? So they're not able to do the behavior. Or right. maybe they want a behavior, as they want to read every day, but they don't have the proper training. They never learned how to read properly, you know. So that's why it's our speed reading programs, or even the four episodes we did on the podcast, were so popular because everyone wants to be able to read more in less time. So that's the yeah. capabilities. But you could have the capabilities and the training, and still not do the behavior because the level above capabilities is the level of beliefs and values, beliefs and values. And so what that is for me in my mind is. Like somebody could want to uh remember names on a behavior levels. They could even have the training and the capabilities, but they could have a belief that says that I I'm not smart enough. You know, I have a horrible memory. You know, uh this run I'm too old. That's a belief. And here's the thing what everyone wants to remember: all behavior is belief driven. Yes. All behavior is belief driven. In order to do a new behavior, you need a belief that empowers that behavior. And so I, I remember, for example, um, so people ask me about my last name all the time. It's it's really quick, right? K W I K. You know, I didn't change it. I didn't change it to do what I do. I, it's my father's name, my grandfather's name. And you can say my, my life was pretty much planned out. I had to be a runner back in a runner in school, which is a lot of pressure when, when your shirt says quick right on it. Um, and, but I get to, I get to do my mission in life, which is, which is teaching people how to learn faster, read faster, remember faster, focus faster, think faster. Right. And, um, so I was, remember I was preparing for a marathon as a runner and I was reading uh, this book on the training and one chapter was on the psychology, the mental part of running a marathon. And I remember it opened up with this uh, word for word verbatim because I'm a memory expert, right? It said this, it said, your brain is a supercomputer and your self-talk is the program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering people's names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. I mean, how deep is that? Because, you know, when, when going to the behavior level, I mean, you know, you want to remember names and maybe even you learned how to do it capabilities. But if you have a belief that says, I can't do it, you're not going to do it. Or at the values level, Maybe you don't value remembering people's names, right? It's beliefs and values. Maybe it's well, maybe you want to remember names, but it's not important to you. You know, remembering names is not important. And so you're not, are you going to do the behavior? So when I'm pointing this out to people right now, these are distinctions and principles that I look for to make positive change. And if you're sticking somewhere where you're not able to get yourself to take action, you self-sabotage, you procrastinate, or somebody on your team does it, or your significant other, or someone in your family or friend, notice what level is holding them back. Maybe it's not the behavior level. Maybe they just weren't trained or capabilities. Maybe it's a belief issue. Maybe it's a value issue. You know, even with that negative self-talk, You know, I always tell people um, that you have to monitor your self-talk, you know, all the time, because if you, if you say that you're too old or you're not smart enough or whatever it is, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you argue for your limits, they're, they're yours, right? And you always have to be mindful of your self-talk because here's the thing, your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Your mind is always eavesdropping. It's always listening, right? Even as a kid, I mean, if, for, if you have a child in your life, you really want to be careful of your external talk because, you know, when I was nine years old, one of my teachers pointed to me, said, that's the boy with a broken brain, you know? And here's the thing, a parent's external words will become a child's internal words, And so whether you have a child in your life or you were a child at one point, a lot of our beliefs came from the words we heard in our environment. And so that shaped our values. It shaped our beliefs. And so that's an issue. But if it's not a belief issue, the level, the high level that I talk about is this level, this principle of identity, identity. And that's the level above beliefs and values. And so identity is like who you believe you are. Who are you? right? They say the two most powerful words in the English language are I am two very short words. I am, because whatever follows those words will determine your, your life. It'll determine your whole destiny. Right? So let's say going down to the behavior level, the behavior is I want to stop smoking. Right? And people can even learn capabilities on how to stop smoking. Maybe they learn some techniques of self-hypnosis or something, you know, um, you know, uh, tappings or AFT or something like that maybe they even have a belief that it's possible to change you know to to uh, stop smoking but if their identity is i am a smoker wow that person's going to have a hard time stopping smoking if that's who they think they are or maybe the behavior is i want to stop procrastinating but their identity level is i am a procrastinator wow you know that so that's that's a challenge and then finally the last level which i actually put below on the bottom below behavior. So it goes identity on top. Second level is beliefs and values. Third level is capabilities. Fourth level is the behavior that you want to change. The fifth level on the bottom there, I would say, is your environment, is your environment. And this is the principle. It's basically saying your external world affects your internal world. That's the principle. And so what do I mean by that? Well, maybe your behavior is you want to stop smoking, but you're in an environment where people are smoking all the time. You know, that's make it very difficult to be able to stop that behavior. Maybe your behavior is something simple, like you want to read more, but the environment is you don't have good lighting or you don't have books in your environment that will affect it. So at a very simple level. And so get this, then it's, for some of you to get a big aha on this. When I said questions are the answer, I really mean that I believe that thoughts are things and thinking is nothing but the process of asking and answering your own questions you know, and some of you might thinking, is that true? Notice you had ask a question to think about it, right? (laughs) And so that's all thinking is, is having this internal conversation with yourself. But the people who really think and they grow and they prosper, they're thinking different questions, right? And so when I mentioned Elon Musk, usually there's a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution that says that all major advances in industry, whether it's fashion or it's technology, if it's automotive, usually comes from somebody outside the industry because it takes somebody from the outside to ask a new question. And then the question could be, hey, why are... Like like Elon Musk, when it comes to Tesla, he wasn't in the automotive industry. He didn't grow up in that industry, but it took him to look inside saying, hey, why aren't we doing it this way? Right? And you ask a new question, you get a new answer. right? If you ask a new question nobody's ever asked before, you get an answer nobody's ever gotten before. And that's the principle of asking new questions. So for example, like another a great book, a recent is zero to one, you know, Peter Thiel is one of the top angel investors in the world. Um, and he he wrote a book called zero to one Basically, it's to talk about innovation, that innovation that's that it's not two to three going for three to four, four to five, that's incremental, right? That's just additive, but you're going from zero where there's nothing to one, you're creating something brand new, you know, but in order to do that, you have to ask different questions. And so my point in this is in school, you learn that, how many questions are there? Like basic questions. You have the five Ws and the H, right? We remember this back in school, right? Who, what, when, where? how, yeah. yeah, all those. So watch this as you're looking at these these five levels. The identity is asking the question of who, you know, who am I, right? The beliefs and values are the why, right? One of my favorite books start with why. So you know why. Um, the third level capabilities is the training, is the how. It's answering the question how. The behavior level is the level of what. That's what you want to change, right? The behavior you want to change. And finally, the environment is the when and the where. You see how, how all the questions get answered here. And so my model for making change with somebody, to teach them to read three times faster, to teach them to change their habits, to change, to help them to become, have what I call quick recall, to be able to give speeches without notes, to learn languages faster, remember everything they read, to be able to apply everything they learn right away. to focus and concentrate in a world full of distraction is based on making real change where you don't have to psych yourself up. You know, you see the level that you're struggling with and then we we handle that. So that's how kind of how I look at at principles and frameworks and strategy.
1: Yeah, I, I love how that kind of I don't know what you call it that structure that pyramid there the identity beliefs capability behavior environment pyramid lines up with those questions. That's very elegant, and and I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of the people listening. Man, I I want to ask you so many questions. I know where we have um somewhat of a of, of a timeline here, but. I wanted to to see if I can get a couple kind of actionable strategies that people listening can can implement kind of after they finish listening to this podcast. For example, earlier we mentioned I mentioned that I wanted the ability to be able to read instantly, right? Lightning fast reading power. What are a few tips that people listening can implement to kind of improve their reading comprehension overall and cultivate this superpower?
0: Yeah. Well, I believe the principle for me when it comes to reading is Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers Uh, in personal development. Tony Robbins very fast reader. Uh, Brendan Burchard, uh, you know, teaches a lot of high performance. Reads a book a week. You know, Oprah very strong reader. Uh, Bill Gates very strong reader. Right? John F. Kennedy was a very fast reader. You know, so leaders are readers. And what I love about it is if somebody has decades of experience and they put it into a book, and you can sit down in a few days and read that book, you can literally do that. Download decades in the days, like Matrix style, right? And so, um, yeah, and I, this is something that I I get really excited about. We just, um, we just created a 21 day reading program. Uh, it's it's called quick reading, KWIK reading. And, uh, and literally in 10 minutes a day, we show people how to do this. So we train them. And so it's a habit and teach them the right habits on how to read properly and not only just read faster, three times faster, but have three times the focus, three times the comprehension and really three times the enjoyment. So it's, it's hard to go through a real change as a coach, you know, for me to be your brain coach, everyone who's listening right now, there's a difference between tips and training. So, um, a training takes a little time. So that would be um, something that we wouldn't have time for, but I can give you a couple of quick tips. And this will help you with your focus and your speed and your comprehension. And so when it comes to reading, and I did four episodes on this, uh, on on my show for people who want to go deeper in this. Basically, there's two parts to reading. There's reading speed and there's reading comprehension. And it doesn't make sense to have one without the other, right? But there Mm -hmm. are certain things that keep you from reading faster. So really quickly, these are obstacles to effective reading. And sometimes I have to start with these because... Sometimes the in order to change something, you need to be aware of what needs to change. It begins with self awareness, and I believe that's a superpower unto itself. So here's why we don't read faster. These are the obstacles. Number one is lack of education. We weren't like you're not born with the ability to read, right? Nobody was born and started like reading magazines in the waiting room at the hospital, right? You you're taught, and so it's a trainable skill. But the question I have for everyone listening is. How old were you the last time you took a class called reading? You know, not like a college literature class, but a class called reading. How old were you? Probably when you're six or seven, when you first learn how to read. So the thing is, is everybody is still reading like a six, seven-year-old. And that's how we're reading nowadays. And so you wonder why we're all struggling, right? We live in an age of electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars. But our vehicle of choice when it comes to reading or learning is like a horse. It's like a horse and carriage. You know, Because our <laughs> education system, we haven't learned uh, how to read faster. So that's a big obstacle. Second obstacle to effective reading, this is a big one uh, that everyone complains about, focus, lack of focus, right? You read a page in a book, you get to the end, what happens? You forget what you read, right? You zone out, go, yeah. Yeah, and you go back and you reread. And you still don't know because you have no focus. You have no, you're, you're easily distracted. And here's the lie that's being spread around. You know, it's a rumor. I think it's being spread around by slow readers. (laughs) It's that if I ask you to read faster, you know, what do you think is going to happen to your comprehension? If I ask everyone here, like, Hey, read faster. What do you think is going to happen to your understanding of the information? You think it's going to go down, right? Mm -hmm. But in actuality, like in our, Quick reading program that we just launched, you know, we get a lot of data. We actually find the faster readers have better comprehension. Wow. Let me say that again. The faster you read, actually, the better your comprehension. And why is that though? And this is why. It's because your brain is this incredible supercomputer. You know, incredible supercomputer. It's so, it's so amazing. But when you read, you feed this supercomputer one word. <laughs> at uh time yeah and what we're doing you know we're, we're just metaphorically we're like starving our own minds right when i was talking that slow if we did this whole show that slow like what would your mind naturally do it just starts to wander it starts zone getting, out zone out it starts to get distracted you'll start thinking about other things you know you'll start falling asleep tell me that's not what happens when you read uh. you zone out right? You get distracted, you start, your mind wanders, you fall asleep, right? And that's the thing, you know, that that's why the reason why is because you're reading too slow, because here's the principle. If you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs, it'll seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction, in the form of mind wandering, you know, in the form of oh, I need the TV on in the background to study or whatever it is, your mind is craving the stimulation, but you're reading too slow. It's like, If you're driving slow, like, are you really paying attention to driving? No. What are you doing? You're like drinking your bulletproof coffee. You're (laughs) you're texting. You're talking to somebody in the car with you. You're singing. You're thinking about you know things you need your workout later that day. You're doing five different things when you're going slow. That's what people are doing when they're reading slow. They're just their minds everywhere, right? But if you are racing cars and you know going straightaways as fast as you could go, are you thinking about your workout? Are you thinking about your your business are you trying to are you trying to text or do any, no you you're completely focused on what's in front of you you're focused on what you're doing you're focused on what's in front of you that's reading when you read faster you have better focus because you're there right and yeah. so you know it's and that that's what i what I train people to do like people will have, when you when you learn properly how to read and you're going faster your comprehension will be better because your focus will be present and that that's the important thing so the last obstacle to effective reading i'll tell people is something called regression regression and that's we've all done this right it's uh back skipping. have you ever read a line in a book and found yourself rereading that same line and stuff so much time is wasted because we are eyes are not trained to read properly. And when you, they use this technology to look at your eyes while it's reading, they find that the strong readers, they have less fixations. A fixation is, um, is an eye stop, you know, uh, along the page. They only stop one or you know a couple times across the page where a slow reader will actually read word, 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 each word individually. Um, kind of like how So a slow reader is is like a child, right? Someone first learning how to read a child is very slow because they're looking at the letters and they're sounding out the letters, then they see the word, and then they see the letters and the word. Average readers, which is most of the population, just like they look at the individual letters, they don't look at the letters, but they look at the individual words, right? So they read faster. But quick readers, as I call them, they don't see the words any more than you, like average people see the letters, but they see groups of words, Uh, Right, and so just like how letters are, you know, words are made out of letters, words can make up groups of words. So you know, just like, so that's a challenge. So what I teach people is to read groups of words together, and and they and also poor readers go back and reread words by accident, you know, and they think they're getting more out of it, but in actuality, let's say we have a we're we're um, watching a show, and it's a show you've always wanted to watch, a movie or whatever and somebody is in the corner and they're just with the remote control and every 30 seconds, they're rewinding it, 30 seconds, rewinding it, you know, like how, how, how annoyed are you going to be about that person? <laughs> right? Yeah. And then not only that, but is, it, it takes so much more time to watch the show because every 30 seconds you're rewinding it. And is that going to help you understand the show any better? No, because it's going to break up the momentum and, and the, the the rhythm of everything. Right. And so that's what people are doing when they're reading, they're going back and taking time rereading words unconsciously. So how do you fix that? Well, one reading hack, one tip you could do is use a visual pacer. Now, what's a visual pacer? A visual pacer is using your finger, a pen, a highlighter, a mouse on a computer to help you focus. Now, I'm not talking about skipping words, like using your finger down the page or, or making fancy S forms or Z forms. I'm talking about not skipping anything and your reading speed will boost 25 to 50% across the board. 25 wow. to 50% return. Meaning that if you just read for... If I ask everybody, and I recommend you do this, um, you know, when you're done listening to the podcast, is read, pick up a book, time yourself to read for 60 seconds normally, you know, without a finger or visual pacer. And then at the end of the 60 seconds, count the number of lines. And then pick up where you left off, just underlining the words with your finger or, you know, dot, not touching the screen of your book, you know, or, the, you know, the page, or if you're on a digital device, the screen, but doing that for 60 seconds, then count the number of lines, everyone's will be about 25, 50% faster. And we're not wow. talking just by you. that one strategy. Yeah, exactly. And it's so simple. That I'll, and it's, I'll tell you why it's common sense, but it's not common practice. So this is why it works. Number one, children do it. All children when they first learn how to read organically will use their finger to help them focus, you know, until we teach them not to do it. Secondly, you do it. Like nobody uses, adults don't use their finger when they read. But if I ask you to count the number of lines you just read, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to use your your finger or, or a pen. You're going to use a visual pacer, right? So we all do it naturally. So why not use it while we read? Third reason why you use your finger while you read is your eyes, your eyes are attracted to motion. So, you know when you're trained, whatever moves in your environment to pay attention to it because it's a survival skill. So when your finger is underlining the words in front of you, your eyes are pulled through the information as opposed to your attention being pulled apart outside of whatever you're reading.
1: Mm. But the
0: other reason you want to use your finger while you read is because how your neurology is set up, your, your nervous system, certain senses work very closely together. Like have you ever tasted a great tasting peach before? Like something from the tree or from something right from the farmer's market? Yeah. It, yeah, in actuality, you're not tasting the peach. So your tongue is actually not capable of tasting what a peach tastes like. You're actually, what are you doing? You're smelling the peach. Mm. But your sense of smell and taste are so closely linked that your mind doesn't know the difference. And just as your sense of smell and taste are so closely linked, so are your sense of sight and your sense of touch. So literally people use their finger while they read. They'll say, I feel more in touch with my reading. I understand more because I feel more in touch with it, right? They'll say that, oh, perfect example. If you're with a toddler and you take out your keys and you just go like, you know, look at my keys, look at my keys, look at my keys, keys, see my keys. What does the kid do? They go and they reach out and they touch them because in order to see them, they feel like they need to hold them, right? Because sense of sight and touch are linked in the human nervous system. So perfect example. If somebody loses their sense of sight, how do they read? Braille. Braille, right? They use their sense of touch. And then so I would encourage everyone as a brain hack to use your finger while you read because what is it doing? It's getting rid of, it's helping you number, number, remember the second obstacle to effective reading is focus. It helps you to focus. And the third obstacle to effective reading is back skipping. When you're using your finger while you read, you don't go back and reread words by accident or just unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're picking up 25, 50%, which people think that's not a lot, but that's almost that's like almost 20 minutes on every hour you get to save. Oh, that's right? huge. And yeah. Reading takes time. Like how many people would love to be able to bench press or, or like 25, 50% more instantly? How many people, how many people would love to be able to like increase their income 25, 50%, right? Reading takes time and time is is money, right? So that's a huge. Jump for people. So I would encourage you to do that. But there's another obstacle to effective reading. There's not time to talk about it here, but the big obstacle to effective reading is sub vocalization. Sub vocalization. And what is it? It's that inner talk that you have inside your mind. Meaning, you notice when you're reading something, you hear that inner voice inside your head. You know, reading along with you, you hear that voice inside your head. Hopefully, it's your own voice. It's not like somebody else's voice. The The reason why it's the biggest obstacle to reading is if you have to say the words in order to understand them, hear them, then you can only read as fast as you could speak. To say it another way, that means your reading speed is limited to your talking speed, but not your thinking speed. We could think so much faster than somebody could speak, right? That's why a lot of us listen to podcasts or audio books at you know, 1.5 or 2x, right? Because we could understand it at that level. We're just, we can nobody could talk that fast. But here's the question. Do you have to say the words that you read in order to understand them? you have to say the words New York City? You have to spend all that time to understand what New York City is. The answer is no. You don't say the word computer because you've seen those words 100,000 times. So you don't have to pronounce it any more than you pronounce and there because this, that, you, any more than you pronounce comma or period or exclamation mark. You know, you don't see the word stop when you see a stop sign. So. M- don't You were trained to sub and the fastest readers, they do not pronounce the words as much as slow readers. And so what I do in a course, like a quick reading is I train people over time to spend less time sub you know, those words. And so there's so many brain, you know, hacks and reading, but this reading is so important because we spend a good part of our day just processing information. That's that's so helpful. Those are
1: excellent, excellent tips. A lot of people are going to find immense value there. Jim, I know we are coming close to the end of our time here. Do you have time for one more quick question? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Let's do it. K-W-I-K question. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so I, I always try to get at the underlying beliefs of people, especially those who have these kind of outstanding abilities. Do you have maybe one or two, could you share one or two kind of um, underlying beliefs that you have that you've cultivated over the years that have enabled you to develop these skill sets that you have.
0: Absolutely. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you two for people to take away here. Be incredibly conscious of your habits, right? Because they say anywhere from 40% or more of our day is spent unconsciously in our routines. The challenge is, is we didn't consciously design those routines. I have a belief, if you're asking for the, like what my underlying beliefs are, that first you create your habits, and then your habits create you. First you create your habits and then your habits create you. You create the habit of meditation. You create the habit of, you know, having a brain power smoothie every morning. You have the habit of journaling. You have the habit of meditating. You have the habit of working out. You have the habit of sleeping really well. All, all the stuff that, that I teach in my podcast. But once you create those habits, then the, your, those habits create you back, right? And so I would say, be conscious of your habits. Um, I the, I did two episodes on how to create habits and how to break old habits. And my most downloaded episode are my morning routines. Everybody, you know, talks about what do they do first thing in the morning because in order to win the day, you got to win that first hour of your day. And what's different about my morning routines? Every single one of them, I talk about 12 things I do every morning to jumpstart my brain. Because I feel like your brain is your most valuable wealth-building asset. It controls every part of our life. And I want to wake up and really supercharge my brain. So it's, it talks, the I, the first thing I do every morning, for example, is I remember my dreams. I remember my dreams every morning. And you're like, in a room of spirit, you're probably thinking, like, Jim, why do you remember your dreams? Here's why, why you do it is because... When you're learning every day, you're listening to podcasts, you're reading books, you're, you're, you're building your business, when you sleep, your brain doesn't turn off. It's actually more active. This is true. Your brain is more active when you're sleeping than when it's awake. And what is it doing? It's consolidating short to long-term memory, right? It's coming up with solutions and new learnings when you're asleep. But the problem is when you wake up, what happens to your What happens to your dreams? Forget you them. For, some you forget them. Most yeah. most people, right? But here's the thing: a lot of inventions and things in culture actually were created in our dream states. Meaning that, for example, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dreams. Paul McCartney came up with the song Yesterday in his dream, right? Uh, inventors, inventors like Elias Howes, He created he created the the sewing machine in his dream, right. The framework for the periodic table came to a chemist in his dream. So, my question for everyone listening is: What are you dreaming about every night? We all have X amount of dreams a night, but waking up, you come up with like like amazing solutions and ahas and everything that's going to change your business and your body and your relationships and make you more money and everything. Help you impact more people. But what happens when you wake up? You might forget it. So, the very first thing is I teach. I did a podcast on six things I do every morning to remember my dreams. So it just goes there. That's where I start. And I just jumpstart my brain. And so habits, number one. Number two, um, my underlining principle and belief for everybody here in this conversation is I compare your life. I get tagged in this in social media like 10 times more a day. Is I tell people this, I, I say your life is like an egg, that if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. If it's broken by an inside force, life begins. All great things begin on the inside. Yes. And my message for everybody listening right now is you have that greatness inside of you. You have genius inside of you. You just weren't taught how to be able to let it out, right? And here's what I believe. I believe genius leaves clues. Genius leaves clues. When somebody does something extraordinary, you could there's a method behind the magic. And my goal is to show people those methods because my my thing with people is when I talk about superheroes, right? I taught myself the reason why I'm so passionate about superheroes is because I, I couldn't read, but I taught myself how to read by reading comic books late at night. And something about, you know, good versus evil and one person can make a difference. And, you know, the illustrations brought it all to life for me, you know, the words. And I believe that if you're still listening to this right now, you are or have the capability to be a modern day superhero. And I don't mean having superpowers like leaping tall buildings and shooting lasers out of your eyes. I mean, you have a unique ability, you have a unique talent, you have a strength that's your own. And what do superheroes do? They discover and they develop their strengths. But just having those superpowers don't make you a superhero. Because what do you have to do with those superpowers? You have to use them for what? For good. You have to use them for impact. And that's why I like formats like this, like your show, because you're helping people to unlock those superpowers. I think the greatest superpowers are found between your ears. And those are your brain. Those are most underutilized assets. They say we use such a small potential of our brain power. We use all our brain, but we use such a small potential of it. And I think in order to be fulfilled, it takes two things, two things, two things alone. And If you walk away with anything, remember these two things. You need the curiosity to know yourself. I mean, that's really what life is about, is to understand your own humanity, right? Is to, is to be self-aware. Like we read books and we meditate and we journal because we want to know who we are. Even when, yeah, like those levels of transformation I talked about, levels of learning, your identity, your beliefs, your values, your capabilities, your behaviors, your environment, all these come together to make who we are as a whole, right? So first you need the curiosity to know yourself. But then once you know who you are and you have the curiosity to know yourself, you need the courage to be yourself, right? Because so many people, they get glimpses of who they are, but they're not living who they are. And, you know, when I was with Will Smith recently, and you might've seen this on Instagram, I I, I said, I asked him, like, how do you prepare for this? Like, you know, we're shooting at night and it's three o'clock in the morning. How do you get ready? He was like, Jim, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. And I'm like, wow, because it's so congruent because I don't have to just like, like, I don't have to prepare for me going on stage. I don't have to prepare for a show. It's not because it's not important. It's I prepare my whole life because here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, right? That's out in the matrix. I can't take credit on that. It's Morpheus. There's a difference (laughs) between knowing the path and walking the path. And here's what I believe. I believe the life you live are the lessons you teach. The life you live are the lessons you teach, and I go through social media and i'm very active on Twitter and facebook and instagram and i'm that's me if you're communicating with me there, but I believe that most people need to practice what they post. You know what I mean we put this we put quotes up there and about this, and I just feel like people don't words. <laughs> words aren't as powerful as actions, right? And that that's a thing. And I think the life you live are the lessons you teach. And everybody could teach us something based on the life that they live. And either as an example, and you know, we can learn something from everybody because genius leaves clues. Or some people are living their life, they're they're a warning to other people. You know, and but the other way we could get something from everybody and we can learn something from everybody. And so that's why I enjoy you and I, our conversations that we've had together because it's great because it's different. Like if I give you a dollar, you give me a dollar. So what? We have the same dollar. But, you know, Reuben, you share inspiration with me or an idea with me and I share an inspiration or an idea with you, a new insight with you. then we have two brand new ideas and we created something brand new. And that's what I think we're here to do. You know, we're here to be this part of a global unity, this team, this, you know, and we lift up each other. And that's really what we're here to do. And my goal is to help people to unlock that genius inside of them you know, in ways and and find their superhero powers, find find their superhero team, if you will.
1: I couldn't think of a better place to to end off on. That that was so, so powerful, Jim. I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. This has been an insightful and super enlightening conversation, Jim. I know you got a day to get to, but um again, thank you so
0: much. I hope we can do this again. Absolutely Ruben. Can I leave somebody with with something right now? Do you mind? Please. First of all, if, if people enjoyed this, what I would love people to do besides listen to my show—it's it's only ten minutes—they're brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. If you like this conversation, it's all tactical: how to change your habits, you know, what I what I how to remember speeches without notes, how to be able to have focus and concentration. I actually did a whole episode on how to lower sub-vocalization. so you could just search your podcast app for you know Jim Quick K W I K and do that. But besides that, even more importantly, what I would love for people to do is to screenshot this episode. Episode, this actual episode and post it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and tag both of us on there. And then I would love for people to share their big aha, their big aha, Ooh, because here's, here's, I love that. here's what, here's what, if you want to learn something faster, here's what I believe. Teach it to somebody else. Learn with the intention of teaching. Because what happens is if you had to re-listen to this podcast, which I recommend you do, and, but listen to it as if you're going to teach it to your team or teach it to your spouse, teach it to your, your siblings, teach it to your best friend, because you'll, something will happen and it's magical. You'll pay attention differently. You'll take notes differently. You'll post different questions. And so here's what I believe. If you want to learn any subject or skill faster, here's your last brain hack, is this. Learn to teach because here's the both that you could post on on, on on any of your socials. When I teach something, I get to learn it twice. When I teach something, I get to learn it twice. And so they say those who can't do teach, then teach it, and then you'll be able to do it. And so what I would ask you to do is take a screenshot of this episode, post it on Instagram or your favorite social media, tag both of us. You know, I'm at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, and then post in there, in the comment, like post in the description, your big ahas, like one, two, or three, your big takeaways, teach your community, teach your friends, and you'll learn it even deeper, or even post questions there also, because I'm very active in all those platforms. And if you have any questions about this episode, I, I would love to know what they are. And yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Ruben. I love that.
1: Yeah, of course, I will link to your podcast and all the relevant resources that were mentioned here in the show notes for everyone listening. But Jim, Thank you so much again. And um, we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the Think Grow podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and find value in this podcast, I humbly ask you to please subscribe and or leave me a review on iTunes. Or you can just share it with a friend who you think might find value in it. If you've already done any of these, I want to take a moment to sincerely thank you. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Lastly, if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics you'd like to hear covered, you can email podcast at thinkgrowprosper.org.